to 20. It'll be on the screen, but encourage you to uh, follow along if you have a Bible, paper, or electronic. Follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which is out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God wrath, wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of this light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it said, wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God, the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's one of those motifs, those images that come up regularly in the Bible of being light. We know that Jesus is the light of the world and shines in the darkness. But also he says that when we trust in him, we become light too. And Paul picks up that theme in, in, uh, that we've heard in, in chapter 5. But also in 1 Thessalonians, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. Or in Philippians 2, shine like stars. We've had the benefit of seeing lots of stars this summer on our clear, wonderful evenings. Shine like stars. I was noticing at Soul Survivor the nights are drawing in. Sorry to be bearer of bad news getting darker. And it's that time that you begin to, to turn the light on, to leave the light on. It's one of those things that I was always impressed upon growing up. Mum and dad would always say, make sure when you go out, leave a light on. 
not only to find your way and don't wake us up when you get home, but also uh, to sort of symbolize that there's a presence, that, that this place is not abandoned or dark or left alone. Leave the light on. How many of you with grandchildren or children or yourself can remember saying that to your parent or grandparent? Leave the light on, please. At night, whether it's the bathroom light or the hall light or those little night lights. I remember recently we, um, with one of my godchildren and uh, the younger one, and uh, I was kind of uh, said, said night prayers and was saying to Ben, turn the light up. No, no, no. I'm glad we leave the light on. Why? You're a big girl now. You're 10. No, no, leave the light on. It matters. It's important because monsters hide in the dark, don't you know, under the bed. Leave the light on. For Christians, it matters, for we are lights. Leave the light on. On In places of danger, in places of darkness, in places of challenge, leave the light on. If you've been to the coast this year, or, uh, or you enjoy those places to look at those wonderful images of rocks and, ma- and, and waves and storms and cliffs and beach, one of the, the key features of the coastline is what? A lighthouse. Standing resolute in the midst of the places of danger, in the midst of difficulty, in the most harrowing of places, the most challenging places where shipping uh, is at danger, the lighthouse shines brightly every day, every night to guide the way. Leave the light on. Someone was once asked about light And in particular, what is the meaning of life? One of those big, open-ended questions. And someone was asked, you know, what was the meaning of uh, of life? And after thinking for a time, came up with this answer. He took out his wallet from his pocket and opened it. And from within one of those little pouches, took out a very small mirror. Mirror. It was round and small, the size of about a 50 pence piece. He showed it to people and people wondered. And he spoke to them. He said, when I was a small child, I was living in Germany in the Second World War. We were very poor and we lived in a remote village. And one day on the road, I, I was playing and... And I found some broken pieces of a mirror. He said this happened to be part of a German motorcycle that had been uh, wrecked alongside. And and this part was on the ground. As a a boy, I tried to to gather all the pieces and put them back together from the, the wing mirror. But it wasn't possible. So I kept the largest piece. It was this one. It was a bit jagged. And broken, but I found a stone and I scratched it and I made it round. And said I began to play with it as a toy, and I became fascinated by the fact that I could reflect light into dark places. That on a sunny day I could reflect light where the sun could never shine into the deep holes and crevices and darkest places. And it became a game for me as a small boy to let light into the most inaccessible places I could find. So as I grew up, I kept 
the little mirror. And as I went about my growing up, I, I, I would sometimes, when I was bored or idle, take it out and continue the challenge to see where this time light would go. I said, but as I grew up and I became a man, I grew to understand this wasn't just a child's game, but was a metaphor for what I might do with my life. He said, I came to understand that I am not the source or the light itself, but life, but light, truth, understanding, knowledge is there and will only shine in dark places if I reflect it. He says, I am a fragment of a mirror whose whole design and shape I don't know. Nevertheless, with what I have, I can reflect light into the dark places of this world, into the black places of people's hearts and change things. That's what I'm about. That's the meaning of my life. Paul says that as as followers of Jesus, and it's right that we have sung of the great Christian story, it's right that in the context of Ephesians, we've understood the, the wonderful intervention of Jesus being sent through the Father, by the Father, to live and die and rise again. And Paul has described and, dis- and, and, and shown us theologically what that means in chapters 1 to 3 and moves in chapter 4 to now live in the light of that truth. That we're caught up into this narrative, this story, this way of living. And some of it is really practical. He says, live godly lives. It's really important that in Ephesus, where he's writing this letter to, it's one of those big cities, it's trading, it's a hub. People would come and go. There would be uh, merchants and sailors and and traders and tourists and, and people coming in from the countryside to make a life and a living. And like many places, when you get a melting pot of people, all sorts of things would happen. There would be all sorts of worship, all sorts of goings on, all sorts of ideas about how to live. And Paul writes into the midst of that to say, live godly lives in the heart of this ungodly city. When he does so, he doesn't reiterate the Ten Commandments, though those matter and he could do. He doesn't set out a list of rules and regulations. But he does define what godly living is is like spiritual life. He doesn't tell them, it's worth noting, that you've got to try hard to be godly. You know, work at it. Here's a list of do's and don'ts. He says we are already godly. Live it out. For we've become united with Christ. We're being incorporated into Jesus that the the Holy Spirit indwells us. This is the wonder of what Jesus has accomplished. We're now called to live it out. The way that we think and speak and act. Leave the light on. It's our calling and responsibility and purpose as believers in the light of what God has done. As we choose him and follow him to leave the light on, to live it out. For we reflect the light of God in a dark world. One of my friends uh, used to be a a GP in, in the northeast of England. And he worked with asylum seekers. 
It was pre-Brexit, but still the tone and the atmosphere in the Northeast was seeing immigrants, outsiders, asylum seekers as threats, as unwelcome, as taking jobs and homes and and all those kind of things. And and he's not a believer, but he was working as a doctor, particularly amongst the asylum seekers and the refugee community to bring hope and help. I was talking with him one day, and and I was just kind of reflecting on why he did that and what he found. And uh, he's not a believer, and he's kind of a little bit hostile to, to Christian faith generally. But he made this really interesting observation. He said, in the Northeast... In that context and that situation, he'd noticed that the ones helping him, the ones doing something about it, the ones providing food and resource and language were believers. He said, the only ones doing something are the Christians. Light into dark places. Not saying that others don't do good, of course not. But of course it should be one of the hallmarks of a believer, of the Christian community. Leave the light on. One commentator said this, the challenge for us as believers in this modern age, like it was a challenge for Paul and the church in Ephesus. He said, I'm convinced that often the world doesn't take us Christians seriously because we are so much like the world. We're caught up in the same miserable rat race of self-seeking consumerism and materialism. It's a stark challenge. Ephesians makes it also practical. He talks about greed. He talks about sexual purity. He talks about what we say. Leave the light on. Of course, in our era, we're aware of many of the challenges and the issues around that are being debated in Christian gatherings and synods, and we know the pressure on biblical truth and what do we stand for with sexual purity. But before Paul would speak of that, he says about greed, that many of us would have something to say about sexual sin and impurity, but when we come to the issues of money and finance and accumulating things and what we do with our resources. Maybe we stay silent. Our society certainly doesn't consider greed and affluence a problem. Paul would challenge us. Of course, it involves what we do with our body, what we do with ourselves of the call to walk with the Lord in fullness of life, in body and in spirit, as well as with speech. Did you hear it? Don't let any foolish talk or coarse language come out of your mouth. I don't think Paul's a killjoy, but he is picking up that theme of what we utter has a great deal to do with where our heart is. James, the, the book in the later part of the New Testament, talks about taming the tongue. It says the tongue is like the rudder of a big ship. That from the wellspring of the heart ut- comes the utterance. Paul is, is really practical and encourage you to reread it. 
to think and prayerfully come before the Lord, of, of reflect and listen. And I think what, what comes out, both in speech, but what is the motivation of life? Where is my life goal? Is it walking with the Lord? Is it just for moments in time? Leaving the light on for a few short minutes in a few short moments of a particular day or all the time. Paul would encourage us to live as children of light, to associate with good and goodness. I've noticed that with with people who, and in myself, if I hang around people that are living in a certain way, it's easy to imbibe it, to pick it up. Have you noticed how even when you are with a group of people who speak with a particular accent or, or dialect or a particular way, you begin to copy them? Zach's a great example, picking on Zach at the back. Uh, Zach grew up in Turkey, as you know, and um, it's so funny if you're with him. Like, you talk to him here, and he just speaks like a, an English guy, but put him in the context of American, he starts to speak with an American accent. Because he spent so... It's true, isn't it, Zach? Kind of, yeah, it's true. That he spent so long with, with people who speak American that it becomes natural. That it's so often the company we keep will affect and begin to influence how we are and what we think and how we behave. It's a real challenge. One of the reasons that, that, uh, that Paul and, and part of the New Testament really encourages us to keep hanging out with other believers is that it rubs off a little bit, that we see in each other inspiration and help and of a model of what it looks like to walk a holy life. If we remove ourselves from that context, we'll say, oh, that doesn't matter so much. We step out of being with believers and just spend our time with unbelievers. Of course we must do that. There's a real danger that we begin to mimic or look like the culture in which we are spending most time. I'm not saying we withdraw from entirely and and put up a big kind of moat or draw up the drawbridge and say we just hang out with Christians. Not at all. But actually we all call to walk with Jesus in the ways of light. Associate with good and goodness, verse 8. Seek what pleases God in verse 10. Seek what pleases God. Find out what pleases the Lord. Isn't that an amazing thought? That you can discover how to please Jesus. Not so convinced of that excitement, are you? Isn't the Lord good? Isn't he great to be with? He loves you so, so much. And he doesn't, he wants that we, we journey with him. You know, when the disciples came back after serving him, they were kind of overjoyed and rejoicing in heaven, and Jesus was really pleased. Sometimes we think of God as a steer and kind of like just slightly looking down his nose and thinking, mm, where, you know, pointing out all the failures and all the challenges, all the mistakes, all the things we could have done better. C plus, more improvement, please. But actually, the Lord loves to be with his people. That when 
we take something that we've heard this morning or you read in the scriptures or you see positively an example of what godliness and, and Christ-likeness looks like in others and you begin to mimic that, you imitate something that is good and godly, it pleases the Lord. Seek what pleases God in our words, in our relationships, and we come on to that in the next passage of of how that works itself out in marriage relationships, in parenting, in work relationships. Verse 11 says, avoid and, and even expose darkness. It matters. Redeem and work for the Lord, verse 12, and recognize that light has power to rescue from darkness. We're going to be sent out shortly into this world and know that what you reflect brings light into dark places. Like that mirror story that was broken and jagged and, and was at the end, it was kind of picked up after disaster. It's so much like we are. That as we come to Jesus, all our brokenness, all our, our falling short, all our failings, all the jagged parts of our life, the Lord will work on, the Lord will hone, the Lord will bring healing and reshape us break off and mold down those angular, dangerous parts in order to bring light. Someone once commented like this, you may think I'm not able to do anything grand and good, but think about the most important light in your house. It's probably not the great chandelier, if you have one or those halogen lights somewhere else. It might just be the night light that stops you stubbing your toe. Or if you're a bit of a food junkie, it might be the small light in your refrigerator. (laughs) It's not necessarily the great and the big and the dramatic, but light is shone even from the small Leaving the light on requires four things, to live continually in the Lord, aware of him, determined by him, discerning what is pleasing to him, of being united in fellowship, of journeying with him, living continually in the Lord. It's a big ask, but he is in us by his spirit. Leaving the light on requires that we refuse to partner with or participate in in sexual sin, of of greedy lifestyle, of inappropriate language, and, and in other forms of rebellion and disobedience. He has rescued us out of that life into a new way of living. Thirdly, leaving the light on involves performing positive actions of seeking to do good and speak truth and live in the light of Jesus. And fourthly, it involves exposing the darkness for what it is, dark. The calling and commission of the disciple of the church, leave the light on. Let's pray together.